What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love show, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am so excited to welcome my guest, Karina Solomon. Hi, Karina. Good morning. (laughs) Karina is a beautiful, amazing, amazing woman, powerhouse, full of wisdom. I'm super excited. She is the author of Sexy, Sassy, and Starting Over. And it's a relationship. She's an intimacy and relationship coach who teaches the keys to confidence from the bedroom to the boardroom. She inspires her clients to create their lives congruent with their deepest needs and desires. Her communication style is bold and edgy, and she seeks to empower both men and women to be their authentic, unadulterated selves. She integrates her foundation as a credentialed teacher and over two decades providing image makeovers and relationship coaching for men and women to serve her clients. Her passion, insight, and genuine desire to serve combined with being direct, compassionate, and relatable leaves her clients an online community laughing and loving themselves. She's most excited about Men, Sex, and Money, which is trademarked seminar series designed and devoted to educate young women and men in the important aspects of relationships that are not taught in our traditional educational systems. Ain't that the truth? I'm so excited to have this conversation, Karina. Moi aussi, she said in Spanish. I mean, yeah. No, French. No, in French. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> Yo también en español. Sí. Necesito practicar. Anyway. Sí, sí, sí. <laughs> okay, so I I like these little icebreaker questions for people to get to know more of you and you know, not just the business part of you, but because you had these crazy adventures when you were around 20, I want to talk about how that experience helped formulate who you are today. What crazy experiences could you be referring to? I mean, <laughs> which, the fact which that, one of many that you're, I mean, you're backpacking trip through the Himalayas and India and all that stuff. Yeah. So Kathmandu, your book. I forgot that book because I'm at my office. I got this book. So, uh-huh. so yeah, just for the listeners, I did a very crazy thing. Hitchhiking to Kathmandu from Europe, um, grew up in the East coast and my boyfriend, I'd met him at a camping trip in my in my senior year of high school, and he had just come back from this place called Nepal, which I'm going to date myself. I'm in my 60s, and I'd never heard of Nepal, but he had just come back. We fell in love, and then he invited me. He came back because he ran out of money, so he came back to make money to go back to Nepal. He said, do you want to go to Nepal with me? And of course, you know, coming from the... the um, family I come from. Traditional. No, no, not just traditional. Dad, we're we're Jewish, which is very much about education, even though it's not religious for me. Dad went to Harvard. Dad was a doctor. Of course, his older daughter was going to college. It wasn't even an option. So basically on my 18th birthday, I announced to my parents that I was going to Nepal with my boyfriend and I'd go to college some, some other time. Didn't go over well. He said, you can't. And I said, I can. It's my money. And I'm 18. And I did. Oops. 
So we hitchhiked from Munich to Kathmandu for eight and a half months. It was the original gap year before the word existed. Uh-huh. And it was really, I think, what it instilled in me. Actually, even before that, I lived on a kibbutz in Israel for a summer and traveled, you know, when I was 16. And that helped me find my identity that wasn't about who's your parents. You know, it, it was just an identity, you know, where I met people from all over the world and I was literally working. And it was, it was just an, and also found my Jewish heritage. It was very, um, all of those things were so formulative, especially when it's younger. But what it really got me is that I'm a global citizen and that it mm. got me to accept that. I mean, you know, Don, who am I speaking to? A woman who's traveled all over the world, particularly a lot of times in India. You yeah. cannot describe India to anybody. No. Once you've been to India, and I'm not talking about in an air conditioned taxi going to a four star hotel. Right. I'm talking about on the streets with a backpack in the middle of Diwali, their biggest festival. Um, like being bombarded by, you know, women and children and begging. I mean, it, 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 it built a level of deep awareness because we have such ethnocentricity in America. Yeah. And it built such an awareness of the world out there. Actually, even before that, not to, before that, when I was about 13, we went to Mexico because a relative had moved to Mexico City and we were traveling around Mexico. I we went to San Miguel de Allende for the first time. And, um, and for anybody who hasn't been there, go there. But um, my dad reminded me for years that I asked him for the next two years of my allowance to give to the kids on the street that were selling little chiclet, you know, little That's gum. Really sweet. And it's just who I am. And yeah. it's always been who I am that when, when I'm filled, like the reason for me to be successful, and somebody asked me last night, what does success mean to you? And my mm. answer to that is it means being so filled up that I'm able to give wherever I wish. Like a fountain. Think about the treasure. Wow. Yes. That great? That's yes. literally what I teach to all my clients, Don. It's like, and I say, look, picture a woman, and I'm going to write into the women thing, if that's okay with you. Yeah, picture of course. Picture a woman as a fountain. When a, when a fountain, and the biggest one I've ever seen in my life is the Trevi in Rome. Yeah. So picture the amazing. biggest fountain. It's amazing. Picture the biggest fountain you've ever seen. If, and let's say it's three tiered and at the top's a dolphin or a little boy peeing or whatever. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but it's like, you know, in order for the water to get from the bottom where the pennies are there and all that kind of stuff and the kids are splashing to the next thing, to the next tier, to the next one, to the next one, and then over the top to be a fountain, uh-huh. a lot of things have to be in place. The water has to be kept filled up because it evaporates. The pumps have to be kept moving and clear and the electricity running and whatever it is to keep that sucker going. And that's like for us. So success to me means that we have a life that we're so filled up. And if filled up means you get to be in your garden every day, great. If it means you get to be a Grammy and be with your kids, great. If it means you get to eat chocolate ice cream every day or get your nails done or own travel around the world, travel around the world or have this job or that job or this job, whatever it means, success is a level when you can just wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night going, I'm filled up. So, yeah. And I think the fountain, I've had many, many, many of my clients. If you go on Amazon, you'll see, just put table fountain. There's a zillion of them between $25 and $100. I've had most of my clients that said, look, you're going to create an altar and start with a little table fountain. And you can put crystals, you can put wishes, you can put angel cards, you can do whatever that, you know, you know, pictures of your animals that are here or not here, whatever you need to do, but have that representing you being filled up because that's successful. Not how much money you have, but do you have what you need to be able to be abundant? So. I was just, I was, that's the word that came to me. It's this abundant. feeling of abundance because yeah. I, I think so many times that women just give, 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 deplete, deplete, deplete. 
because that's where we think that we find our value. And so then, and so then we wonder why we're depressed. <laughs> we feel, um, dissatisfied. We feel yeah. unfulfilled. We, we feel and empty, then we get, dead yeah. inside, reactive, angry, blame other people for our lack of fulfillment. It's quite something. It's a, it's a ripple effect. So I say, why not have the ripple effect go up instead of down? Oh. You know, so, and it's not, you know, these things are easier said than done. And, you know, for some, and, you know, it's like men's sex and money, right? The money piece is, is about lifestyle choices. What are my lifestyle choices? You know, and, and it, it's like, what do I have to do to have that happen? And for somebody, if they have a, their spending plan instead of a budget, how about just changing those words? Talk about success. What's my plan for spending instead of a diet? As opposed to a budget that's restrictive. It's contractive. It's contract, contractive and restrictive. Exactly. Yeah. And so, the, and, and the spending plan versus a diet. I'm going on a diet. No, I'm going to go on. I'm going to plan what I'm going to eat. Yeah. You know, I want to like, change my lifestyle. This is the kind of lifestyle I want to live. And words are really important. So really important, you know, where instead of saying I'm going to my favorite one, this is a takeaway. Everybody who's listening <laughs> now or later. Um, one of my takeaways is don't try anything. Mm-hmm. Intend it. Yeah. And here's what I say. I'm going to clap. I'm going to try to clap. And for those of you who can't see this, my hands are kind of about two inches apart attempting to clap or I'm going to try. To, it's trying. I'm going to try to. So, you know, how many of us have gone, you know, in men's sex and money, right? How many of us have met a guy? It's really awesome. Lots of chemistry. It's really fun. Maybe it's an even sexy kiss goodbye after that cup of coffee or dinner, whatever it is. And he says, oh, I'll, I'll call you soon. And we're literally waiting by the phone. Right. No. You're like, yeah, that's I'll, not no, going to happen. Even better. I'll try to call you soon. So. <laughs> Right. Like that's okay. going to happen. But people believe that, that that's what they're going to say. And uh-huh. I'm somebody who, because I'm a woman of my word and I grew, I'm very lucky. I'm one of the few people I know who grew up in a family where people actually did what they said they were going to do. So I get blindsided when people don't do what they say and don't make their agreements or, or renegotiate when they want to change them. Renegotiating is fine. Just don't just bait and switch on me. Uh-huh. You know, so, um, it is not knows. I get triggered when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but, it, but we all like, get triggered when people we all do get that. triggered. We all, well, we all get triggered when it's a different conversation than we used to do, yeah. different way of being. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, it's like if, if a guy said to me, wow, this is really incredible meeting you. Tell you what, um, I got to run to work right now, but you know, I get out of work at five. And by the time I get out of the garage and, and on the freeway and get into good cell signal, it'll probably be somewhere between 20 after and five 30. I'm going to call you. Do you think he's going to call? Because mm-hmm. that was a very intentional Intense, way. Yeah. It was intentional the way he told me that. And so like if someone says, I'll call you soon, I'm going to call them on that. Meaning I'm going to say, could I when just soon? ask you what, are, are you sincere about that? Because you know what? I'm going to take you for your word. And if you don't call soon, I'm going to assume you're not interested, but I'd rather hear that now. I mean, I just call him to people go, isn't that too intense? And I'm like, I'm in my 60s. You're so direct. If not now, when was I thinking of meeting someone who meets me in being that direct? Because if they don't, great litmus test. Kind of like if someone throws down three shots of something on a first date or two shots of something, I'm like, they're not my guy. I'm not a drinker. Uh-huh. Meaning it's just, it's called open your eyes and pay attention. 
But don't you, do, don't you feel like a lot of um, people, they just hear what they want to hear? Yeah. What do you think? Tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking. Do you have an example or do you have a question about that? Oh, oh, you mean, oh, you mean like the person and the guy said like the woman, yeah. the younger woman or anyone who's like desperate, feels a little desperate right, for a relationship right, right, and he's right. really cute. Right. Oh my God, he has money. And, right. and she goes, oh, he's going to call me. That what you mean? Yes. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm inviting listeners right now, Don, I'm inviting them to dial up their self-love and to dial up their discernment. And the way that to pay attention, okay? Because I'm gonna go right to another really good one. I call it the surprise party, okay? Like (laughs) the surprise party. Isn't that a good thing? Like when you have a birthday party? It is. But here's how I'm gonna use it as a metaphor. And so have you ever been to have you has anybody ever surprised you for your birthday and actually pulled it off? Yes, they did. It was and have you done it to somebody else? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's an incredibly huge gift to do to actually love someone it's... enough to be willing to be that. My, my ex-husband did that. He's, we're good friends. My ex-husband did that for me once on my 40th birthday, surprised me. He had just come back from a business trip to Asia. I went out with the girls that morning and that night he said, go get dressed. We're going to dinner. He freaking had collaborated with my parents 3000 miles away. And they, and, and we went to um, Coletto's, which is a restaurant that I'd wanted to go to in San Francisco. No, Postrio. And I'd never been to it. And we go in and the, and the, um, cause that was the best surprise of my life. So loving. And, you know, and he said to me and, and, um, the, the hostess says, Oh yes, your, your party's waiting for you. And I'm like, who? Ooh. And I, we walked and he's like smug, but he's like, look at the light fixtures. And it's a really lovely restaurant. So I walked down the stairs because it was, you know, the whatever. I walked down the stairs looking at the light fixtures as directed. <laughs> I get to the bottom of the stairs and there's my parents, my dad and my stepmom. And Did you start crying. Like, and I screamed in a four star restaurant. I went, daddy, like that in a four star mm-hmm. restaurant because it was so beautiful. Aww. You know, and the entire restaurant clapped. So meaning, but I'm just saying he pulled it off. There wasn't even a hint, you know, and to me, that's so loving, but here's the surprise party where it's not so fun. Okay. Here's where we go to the metaphor. Okay. We all had something like that. Or right when that surprise party happens, you're like, Oh, that's why my friend Susie was being so weird (laughs) about what she doing Friday night. Her kids are in town. What? You know, and all of a sudden the clues make sense, but you didn't get it after the word surprise and then the clues come in like that. Right. So working with a client right now who'd had three marriages and a couple of other long-term relationships and we worked together for a while and then he stopped and went and was really excited to get back with one of the relationships, but went a little too soon and didn't ask the questions and went right in to go toward marriage number four. And I saw it on Facebook and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I, then I heard that they'd broken up and I was like, Oh, and I just texted him. Hadn't talked to him in over a year. Hey, how's it going? Oh my God. He's back working with me again. And I said to him, let's look for a minute at when, because you said, oh, it's a surprise party. He broke up. They had already paid for a trip to Tahiti as a honeymoon. He bought her a ring. They had 90 people invited to his fourth wedding, her third. I was like, wow. wow. Right. And so I said, um, so let's look at the timeline of getting back with her. Where were the warning signals? Where was there a clue? Mm-hmm. And it was so early. 
And the clue was something like her saying, you know, I don't really trust you. Well, she didn't trust men. She hadn't done what she needed to do. She hadn't done her own healing work. Yeah, and he yeah. had been doing it. But anyway, my, my point is, he was like, oh, my God. And I said, so do you agree next time before you go to the nuptial state, you know, before you buy the ring that you call me or do something different, bring her to me? He's like, on my honor, you know, because <laughs> because 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 he can't afford to do it again. Now he's in his mid 50s. Uh-huh. You know, so anyway, I just wanted to share it's surprise or I got a pretty controversial, really? like I did a kind of a controversial reel recently. And I said, and oh, you commented on it, Don, you saw that I said, you know, an affair is not the other person's fault. It's the responsibility of both people because, oh, did I get comments on that? Right. Oh, that's super controversial. Right. Because it's always, it's their fault. They did. And that's the, this thing with the three fingers pointing back when I'm blaming someone. Right. And so here's the truth about that too. It's like, if I am so tight with a partner, they're not going to infiltrate you. They're not going to have an affair. You know, if it's break, if there's a breakdown, I'm awake and aware. I'm going to get a therapist. I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to call my friend Dawn, who's a relationship expert like me, but you know, it might not be so good on my own. And she's going to go do debt. This is what you teach. Oh, right. Thanks. You know, like that, which part did you miss? It's like, yeah, what, what was happening or not happening that created a sense of distance between you. That's right. And so, and it can be as simple as, you know, she hasn't lost her baby weight. She's got two little kids. But he, you know, and so she doesn't feel like making love. She's her libido's shot. She's nursing her attentions over here to a toddler and an infant. And the husband's like, honey, I just want to make love with you. And, and she's like, yeah, whatever. And she just doesn't. And then it goes for years. And he's like, come on a business trip with me. They're not nursing anymore. The parents will take care of them. Or at least can we, can we get sexing on a zoom when I'm away? But she's pushed, pushed him away towards mm-hmm. something with someone else who doesn't push him away. And the thing is, an affair, it's never okay to do that, but they had a breakdown mm-hmm. and the crack allowed something else in because in. neither of them said, that's it. I'm either leaving you or I'm going to get a therapist or I'll leave you. You know what I mean? Or we're going right. to get some help for this. Honey, I didn't gain weight. My libido didn't shift. I need, I, I need your attention. Yeah. I just lost my wife for three years. To mommy. Do you feel like a lot of it is a lack of attention? I was just listening to, uh, uh, you know, Esther Perel. I, I love oh, yeah, her she's work. Yeah. And so she was talking about, you know, these killers of relationships is neglect. Okay. So give me an example, like what you might have said. Neglect. Like, I'm totally ignoring you. I'm ignoring you. I have my oh, own well. life and, you know, I'm not really paying attention to you. you I'm not making the effort to prove that you're a priority in my life. Wouldn't wouldn't you think that what I just described was she was neglecting his needs? Yes. His physical, cuddly, sexual needs. And I'm saying needs, not just desires. There's a and and I think a lot of women have affairs because their emotional needs are not being met by their partner. And so it's like you know, I'm asking you to connect with me. I'm asking you to have intimacy, not sexually, you know, or maybe sexually, but not even a question, Don. And you and I'll talk offline about all kinds of stuff like that. There's so many things. And then, and then the other thing is, um, there are affairs and happy relationships 
where people just don't feel like they can express certain aspects of themselves to their partner for whatever reason. You mean, are you talking about particular, like if somebody's turned on by a certain kink or something like that? Or are you talking about emotional? Are you talking about both, I play golf and you don't? You mean I mean, it, it could, it could be any of those examples. It could be, okay. it could just be, um, you know, this is a part of my life that I want to, um, explore. And you're not willing to explore it with me. It could not even be a sexual thing. It could just be like, I want to go hiking in the Himalayas. Right. So, so what it is, is when people have really different desires and priorities. So I'd love to speak to this. And that's that my mom used to say, the more you have in common, the easier it is in a relationship. Like, listen, I speak. I could be fluent if I went and spent six months not hearing any English in terms of in Spanish. Uh-huh. I could probably do the same in French, but it would probably take me a little longer because it's been so long. But with eight years of Spanish studying early, it's in me. Uh-huh. But here's, here's the truth. If that Spanish speaking or French speaking person that, you know, a nice guy or whatever that I might connect with, if he is not 100% fluent in English as it's his first language, or if, or if one of first two languages at the same time, right, right. I won't be with him because, because that is not enough in common for me. Meaning I am such a communicator. I can't do that. I've done it. I was with an entire, I can't do it because I can't speak nuanced Spanish, mm-hmm. you know? And so that said, um, that would be something in common for me, socioeconomic strata, religious beliefs, um, whether I'm sex, even if you're not religion not. <laughs> beliefs, you know, yeah. I, I have high respect for whatever people choose to believe. But if I but I'm not going to choose to believe something and also politics these days, it's so divisive. I don't even want to talk about those. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, for politics these <laughs> yeah. days, it's extremely, and you live in Texas. I get it. But for me, it's really in the, in the, in a very, you know, liberal part of Texas, but it's a big deal. And for me, it's like, I have to find those things out right away. Yeah. You know, as a single woman, I need to find out right away, you know, uh, are you clean from your divorce? Are you, you know, do you yeah. have children? What's your belief about this? Are you, you know, whatever it is. There's deal breakers right at the beginning. And you got to be so clear about your, your absolute must haves and deal breakers, which is the same spectrum. Don't want to be with a cigarette smoker. Right. Cigarette smokers. Okay. That's the same spectrum. So every right. deal breaker is the opposite of a must have. No right. alcoholics. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, drink socially. Drink socially. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, so there's always a spectrum, but in the middle of that spectrum is the preference. Okay. So for instance, if you're a, if you're an equestrian and you have a a horse business and whatever, you need to be with someone who doesn't just tolerate horses and has ridden once in their life. You need to be with someone who really loves horses because it's too big a part of your life to right back to what you said, Don. Otherwise you're really not going to have a lot of time together. I mean, it's just, your lives aren't going to overlap enough. Um, and it's just like, I don't want to be with somebody. I'm not a golfer. Golfer's fine. Golfing's fine. I don't want to be with somebody who gets up at five o'clock every Sunday morning, Saturday and Sunday morning to go play golf with the guys. It's not my priority. I don't want it. I nor do I want to be. I, I'm Jewish. I'm not religious. I don't want to be with somebody who has to go to church all the time. It's just not my tribe or language. Right. Right. No 
any more than I want to be with, you know, somebody who doesn't speak English. So it's, it's the more we have in common, the easier it is. But I think too, for those of us who've done a heck of a lot of self-development, working on ourselves, written books, because we actually are an expert on being sexy, sassy and starting over after an 18 and a half year relationship. You know, I'm an expert on that. I, it was hard to do. I wrote a pamphlet on how to get through it, you know, meaning, Don's having you know, hosting this podcast and and um, um, interviewing me because we're experts in this field, and only because we've had to learn the hard way. Yeah, she and I were talking about narcissists the other day. That's a different podcast, but we're experts. Once you've actually had a relationship with a narcissist, whether it, whether it was a parent, a sibling, a, a an intimate other, a friend, a boss, a house, somebody that shares your house, you probably won't do that again. Because you yeah. can recognize the signs, but until such time as you recognize the signs, you don't. Right. So I say it's all in the setup. You know, when's the last time you had a birthday party that, you know, where people showed up that you, that you didn't invite them, didn't set the time, didn't, <laughs> didn't plan who's bringing the birthday cake? There's a lot of setup. And then, oh, the place is a mess. I hate this. Did you think to hire somebody or ha- have your friends, you know, volunteer to be cleaning crew? Uh-huh. You know, you lacked the setup. You know, it's like it, it, it's all in the setup. So how about setting up the marriage for you younger people who are tuning in? And this gets to my men's sex and money stuff. The money piece. When were you planning to tell this person, this guy you'd like to marry? And I will tell you listeners too. I am because I'm a hetero woman. I'm mostly speaking to the hetero dynamic between yeah. men and women. Yeah, me too. So, so take what you will from this. <clears throat> right. I'm not trying to be exclusive or or um or or offend anyone because right. please know that, but I wanted to state it. But um but in a heteronormal normal marriage, when when you're looking at having a family together, you've got to find out if you're young, especially if you're like 32, 34, 35, and you're a woman, your eggs are getting old, you better know that you want a kid and you better be talking to that person before you sleep with them. You know, before you start wanting to buy furniture, that's my joke. Right, about that. right, right. You could actually have the conversation called, hey, you know, do we, are we going to do kids? And let's talk about how we want to raise said kids. Because if this person comes from family that um, really like my family, which is all about advanced degrees and Ivy League schools and being doctors and lawyers, and this family had a construction business, and the family from the doctors and lawyers going, yes, we're going to have a college friend from our kid, and the kid from the person from the construction family is like, why? Those things need to be talked about. And my joke is, when were you planning to tell him you wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and your salary goes away? Mm-hmm. Not not after you've moved in and bought a house that was literally the loan was based on both your salaries, et cetera. It's got to come before that. Right. So do you want to talk about how your relationship, how your marriage broke down? No, no, (laughs) I could. (laughs) Because it's part, because it's part of your evolution. I I, I could. um, I'll go. No, it's fine because we gave it our all. That's what I know. And sometimes I'd like to have my life back because we had a beautiful life. I mean, we Mm -hmm. really did. The community and Sonoma County and a beautiful, you know, country estate, essentially. It was where I could do all my women's women's workshops and all that and and do a lot of not-for-profit events. And so it was blowing up a big life, which is I put it off for years because both of us did. We liked each other a lot Uh and we loved each other a lot, but we felt out of love. And he wasn't available to me emotionally, as you said, Don. Yeah. 
And um, so we did a lot of research and it's going to be controversial for some of you listening, but because I have done so much studying in the sexuality and relationship realms and my communication skills are so good that we talked about it and we opened our relationship completely consciously, not like go dating randomly, but I, I had a, a guy, a lover that I would see who was also married and it was a circus. And for those you work live, listening to this out there, um, polyamory means loving more. It's not swinger. Uh-huh. It's polyamory. Poly means more than one. It means, and amory means love. It means you have more than one love in your life. And I opened the marriage. He had a lover. I had a lover. And, you know, we were semi retired. And I say to people, if you have children or a full-time job, don't even think about being polyamorous because it is a full-time job. And it was a circus and it was really painful because I fell more in love with my lover. Mm. Yeah, because I wondered about that. I opened the marriage because I fell in love with my best friend, not because of his looks, not because of his whatever, but because we'd known each other for years and we fell. It was the most, uh, you know, I'm a hot tamale and sometimes I would move a little too quickly into a sexual connection with someone. And especially, look, Don, honest, I had 70s. <laughs> very fun. So very naughty, very fun. Not embarrassed about it. It was yeah. a different time. Before AIDS, it was a different time. Right. But, but I mean, it was just not a fearful time. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll were real, okay? And um, anyway, I opened the marriage and fell so in love, but it wreaked havoc on everything. And, you know, if any of you believe in the chakras and the fourth chakra being, you know, the heart the power. Chakra, I had breast cancer. My former husband then had open heart surgery and I had breast cancer again during those two years. Wow. It is not lost on me that wow. that's the fourth chakra. So I am not polyamorous. Some people can do it. But what I know, I know a lot of people. I went to poly conferences and, you know, and if for those of you listening or watching that don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. What is polyamory? Go on Wikipedia. What is the poly, what are poly conferences? You'll learn about it. Cause some and people think, oh, well, that'll save our marriage. That's right. That's right. And it, um, save our marriage wasn't quite the right word that I thought of. It was like, it was just, this is how maybe I can stay. So yes, I guess it would uh-huh. be saving the marriage, uh-huh. but cause he had been married twice before and really didn't want to go through a divorce. And I was a little cavalier going, yeah, whatever. Oh my God. Divorce is the single, even having lost my mother in my twenties, all the stuff I've been through breast, even breast cancer. Divorce is the hardest thing I've ever freaking gone through in my life. And I'm still not completely over it. And it's a lot. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Because it blew up a life and I'm not redone. I, and I haven't recreated a life at the level, meaning I don't have a partner right. to recreate that level right. of satisfaction. I mean, I'm happy in myself, but people say, Oh, are you happy being single? Like in this clubhouse room we did the other night, um, happy being single. No, I'd way rather have my significant other be my emergency contact. Do I see people? Absolutely. Do I know I'm attracted? Yes. Do I date people? Sure. But in terms of finding someone that really connects when you have a bar as high as me and you're in your mid sixties, it's interesting. You know, not like crying, you know, oh, poor me. It's more like, wow. This is interesting. And I think do the work on your own relate. Do it before you commit. And that's a kind of a different story. We didn't have children together, Don. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Um, how are we doing on time? We're good. We're, We're good. good. Yeah. Uh, because I, I feel like a lot of times 
when people, you know, even up to the divorce, they don't do enough work interpersonally in their relationship. And personally before that. And personally. Personally. And then person, personally, interpersonally, interpersonally. It's both. Uh-huh. Three yeah. things. It's themselves. two people. It's right. two people who come together as whole people, not it's from a, a place of neediness, not from a place of lack. The only it's time I want to go in my life. It's like the only oh. time I want to go 50, 50 is when I go out like last night with some girlfriends and we went 50, 50 and right. bought our meals. Right. I do not want to go 50, 50 in a relationship. I want to go a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. And, and so it's dangerous if we think you're going to complete me. So I, I'm going to tell a story of really why we broke up. Okay. Okay. And this is like, this will be my TED talk. Okay. Okay. It's called, I forgot to have a baby. Mm. Super poignant. Um, when I went into my first tantric intimacy class as somebody's first, somebody's plus one, because he couldn't go unless he brought a woman. It was a non-sexual. It was, a, it was, I found my, that was in 19, I was 35 years old. I'd never uh-huh. been married. And I'd done tons of, you know, I lived in Marin County and Sonoma, you know, I, I lived in Marin and San Francisco, the height of personal development. And this right. was the, this was the eighties and nineties. It was now 91. So Bob, his name was Bob, giant guy, like six, four invited me to go to this thing. And that thing rocked my world because mm-hmm. we were connecting a little closer in this, in this culture, unless you're going, hi, how are you? With a little hug to say hello or whatever. You're in like, our, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. But what I'm talking about, our culture, the distance is handshake distance. When you oh. meet, when you meet <clears throat> someone, unless right. it's, I wanted you two to meet and then it would be a hug. Okay. Right. But if you've never met them before and it's the other gender, it's a Very polite. First. Or hopefully the guy knows to say, would it be okay if I give you a hug or something like that? But this was standing a little closer than handshake. You know, it was like uncomfortably close. They had the men in a circle and the women standing in front of the man you came with. And it was all singles, I think, but just paired up. And then they gave us an assignment for each man that you were with. And again, it was a little too close and the lights were on and it was an assignment. Hello. And put your hand and they would just stroke her hair with her permission and all these things. Say goodbye about after about a minute or two, step to your right women. And I had a new guy and a new guy and a new guy. The fourth one, because they wanted us to sit down and all our clothes were on. This was not sexual. The fourth, except for shoes, the fourth guy, they said, gentlemen, sit down. Women, crawl into this man's lap. Hold this woman who holds the weight of the world, whatever it was. Whoa. I'm five foot six. I'm not tiny. Only laps I'd been on. I'm grateful for no sexual abuse, weird stuff. Well, my dad and my grandpa, it's just not a lap wasn't a thing in my world. I'm in a man's lap. It was so intimate. More intimate than a lot of the times in college when you turn off the lights and do your thing under the covers. It was so intimate because it was, and you're looking in his eyes at the same time. Oh, I lost it. I was like, and it was a combination of joy and grief. Wow. It was a combination of what I hadn't had and what I deeply longed for. And so guess what I did? I dove in and I became the little marketing and salesperson for this little tiny group. And I got to go to all their events in exchange for bringing people to it. And met a couple later on and got into their whole community and had also subconsciously decided I'm going to meet a man open to be this intimate. And I did. Mm. I met him at a party two years later, my former husband. So the night we met, I'm 35. He was 44. 
the chemistry was so huge and it was at a party in the Tantra community. And he said, um, the, the chemistry was huge. He said, I need to ask you something. I didn't know his name. And I said, yeah. He said, how old are you? At the time I was 37. He said, I said, 37. He said, you need to know something. I'm 44. My son just turned 16, got his driver's license and his big brother who I raised since the age of five and, you know, is my stepson is in his twenties and launched. I will not have more children in that split second, in that clarity. If I had taken the time, the therapy, the whatever to get clear that I wanted kids and not just think, Oh, I'll have them someday. Right. I would have in think of a game show. You've got door number one, door number two, and door number three are your choices, right? Right. Door number one, if I'd been clear, would have been, whoa, dude, that was the most respectful thing in the face of this kind of chemistry. Thank you. And walked away. Away. I didn't choose door number one. Door number two, given that I'm sex positive and it was so fun and juicy, and door number two could have been, oh, thank you. Wow. Um all right, well, let's be friends with benefits, but you're not sleeping over. I don't want to have an illusion. And door number three is what really happened. Because I didn't choose door number two. Door number three, we're dancing, it's hot. We went out on the balcony, the full moon and the ocean and, and, and San Francisco Bay. It was like at this mansion. He kissed me and it was all over. It was the it was like the right kiss. It was just right. And obviously it was because it was what it was, and we stayed together. It wasn't right. wrong. It just was Oh my God, I've been waiting for that kiss my whole life. And I took him home with me that night. And he had been engaged and they had taken a separation because she was like, set a wedding date now or I'm out. And she'd taken three weeks apart. And that morning in his meditation, he said, I need a sign. I don't know what to do about the other woman. And he met me at that point. So that was his sign to break it right. off. Right. And so um, fast forward 10 years. We're in our hot tub on our 11 acre estate in Sonoma County with the waterfalls. Our life was really quite something. And um, we traveled all over the world and we're sitting in the hot tub. And he looked at me and he said, you've been mad at me for 10 years and I owe you an apology. He said, you would have been an awesome mom. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry, but I was clear I couldn't do it again. And you went with my clarity, not your own. You know what, girlfriends, any one of you out there, get clear. And I'm very proud to say that there are two women I know of in their 30s who have children because I told them that story. And they left the people. One was with a husband and just was like, yeah, whatever. And then realized, guess what? We started working on it as soon as I realized from that Uh conversation. Uh The other one had been with somebody that didn't want children. He had a rough childhood. She had a beautiful childhood. And when I confronted her, I think she was like 32, something like that. She burst into tears, was in my arms sobbing and said, I want a baby. I'm like, great. Broke up with the guy that night. Met somebody as an interim thing, but then later met someone who called me and said, guess what? I met him. And then she wrote a young leadership book. Her name's Tanya Peluso. I don't have the name of her book, but she wrote a book and asked me, could, could I include you in my final chapter about the angels in my life who steered me Aww, in different directions? Yeah. So I know there's two little girls on the planet and a very happy family because of that story. So my legacy is my men's sex and money work. And in 19, when I had this beautiful house, you know, and then a friend of mine's daughter just graduated Stanford and she was like, 
help. You're so easy to talk to about relationship stuff. Can I spend time with you? I said, bring your friends. And I prepared for nine women to spend a weekend at my beautiful retreat home. And I thought, what do these nine women, young, beautiful women need to know? They need to know about men and women and the differences they, and all the communication stuff. They need to right. know about sex and intimacy and orgasm and kink and STDs and everything they need to know about. Intimacy. Every, everything that's Body. not ever taught us ever, ever, ever anywhere. <laughs> how to ask for what you want, how to say, I don't like you touching me like that. Would you do it like this and not have them go, I'm out. But to learn the artful communication technique, as I tell people. Yeah, which just, how many people just like go, right, okay, right. whatever. I just, I, it's not feeling I, good, but I'm just going to let it happen and I'm going to check out. And oh, I'm going gonna... to break up instead of, and, and the guy's like, what do you mean? I love doing it this way. And he's like, great. All those other women liked it. I don't like it. This yeah. is what I like. I don't like your tongue down my throat or I don't like you using your nails. This is my body. Right. But if we don't get clear about what we like, how the heck, and if we don't learn how to communicate that, communicate we don't learn it. how to ask it. So to me, it's a hundred, it's, if we're a hundred percent communicating, anything is possible. And if we're not, breakdown will happen. Well, and it, it's not, I mean, the communication comes after the awareness. What do I want? What yes, do I you. like? No, but most, you can learn most how people to... never have been asked that question. Right. I don't right. know. I, I just do what they think or I, I'm, I'm That's in what this. I I'm in this because of That's the, you know societal expectations. I'm just showing up as I think that I should. That's you know, why I told as you I should be. That's why I told you that story. Yeah, because nobody took me before I committed to this man. Grabbed me by the name, you know, threw me up against the wall and said, "What are you doing?" Right. None of my girlfriends sat me down. They did after I got married. <laughs> when we were, you know, just saying. It's a little okay. late for that, but so anyway, men, so it was all all the differences. So it was about men and women, women differences, sex, all about intimacy and money, which was the when are you when you're going to tell me you wanted to be the stay at home mom type of conversation, or uh-huh. that you really or I don't want to be the stay at home. No, but I'm saying it's the conversation of, about it, right? Because it's a money conversation, right? You know, like my stepson, he's in an awesome marriage and they're in their forties and they have little, my little people call me Grammy. They're five and two, Uh but he was clear. He wanted to be with a woman with a big career so they could afford to have the lifestyle they have in San Francisco Bay area with a Uh home that's walking distance to a lovely little village in Oakland. And they could afford the childcare they needed. And he was clear. He wanted to be with a woman with a big career because otherwise it couldn't happen. Okay. That's what he wanted. And they both have big careers and they're incredible. And that so was did a they value. work it out? Did they oh, work it out? Oh, it's incredible. I'm okay. saying he okay. wouldn't date someone who wasn't, who wasn't a big career. Agreeable to that. No, who, no, who didn't choose that as well. Right. Right. What I'm saying is that was his priority. Somebody else wants to be a stay at home mom. She didn't. Right. But yeah, they also worked for fabulous companies that gave them three months of maternity and paternity leave and they had grandma. Oh, Karen. nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So you see what I'm saying? But again, it doesn't getting matter if you clear. like horses. It's getting clear. It doesn't matter if you like horses or don't like horses. It doesn't matter if you like this type of sexual whatever or that. It doesn't matter if you if you're into BDSM or you're not. It's about what do you like and own it and express it. It's like own it. Because, and don't wait till you're 40 or 50 or 60 and on a second or third or fourth marriage. Don't do it before you get married. Do it before you sleep over, you know, because you don't know that person yet. And it, when, for me, I mean, anyway, yeah. 
Well, and, and the, I mean, the other thing, I think that people change and evolve as well. So it's like something, Absolutely. you know, years ago where I was like, oh, no, I'm like, oh, that, that might be kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, oh, right. I don't want to jump out of an airplane or I don't I don't have the need to ride a motorcycle. And now I'm like, oh, shit, I really would like to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> well, it's or just to, our values change or somebody like you were saying earlier when we were talking about, I mean, it's like people's, you know, somebody could get hooked on marathons later in life or something. Right. All of a sudden you just lost your spouse to marathon training every weekend, <laughs> but it's all about the communication. Yeah. It's like your lives change radically. Listen, you're a mom, right, Don? Didn't your life change radically Huge. when all of a sudden, the minute you had a baby, your life yep. was not your own. Correct. Right. Correct. So that's, that's what I think that that's the tricky part because so many times we're accommodating other people. I mean, even if you don't have kids, you could be accommodating, you know, working towards serving, giving, blah, blah, blah. Well, look what, as look opposed what I, to look saying, what, I did. what do I really want? That's my, that's why I tell you the most poignant story because, and when I, you know, the, the, the name might be a little glib for a TED talk. I forgot to have a baby, but the truth is whether you have a child or do not have a child, your life is informed by yeah. that. Right. It's, forever informed by the fact that I'm not a mother biologically. Do you know how incredible it is for me to be very much in these little boys' lives where the two-year-old for the first time when they did a FaceTime on the weekend said, give me Karen. I was like, oh, meaning they know me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't communicate as well as I do and part ways amicably from my stepson's father. Right. See what I mean? I wouldn't have that. So look at all the layers it takes. But I say, why not? I designed a whole bunch of courses kissing that, that should be in high school and college curriculum, you know, from kissing 101, communication 101, how to take the next step 101, meaning you fill in the blanks, but (laughs) we didn't learn any of that. No, no, but I mean, they have YouTube, a lot of YouTube videos now that kind of now, now, now I know, I know, I know, not back then. There was no cell phone. (laughs) <laughs> but but I feel like Karen, I don't know if this is the same if this is true for men, but I feel like with as many women as I talk to, they don't often give themselves permission. <laughs> permission Guilty as charged to anything. Pers- to, yeah. To blank. pursue what they want, to say, what do I desire? To follow their dreams and passions, to you know, to have great sex or to experiment or to, you know, say, no, I don't, I, you know, I have no interest in doing that thing or being with that person or get, you know, it's like we so accommodating, other, accommodating, accommodating. The other thing to add on to that is we don't own what we have done. So, so like when I have a woman's circle, you know, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful, the cauldron and floating candles and all that. But I mean, people like light a candle and they tell us their name's always helpful unless I have name tags. And they say, and I say, you have to start with something you're massively proud of. And it mm. can't be, I'm proud of my children. Yeah, no, no, no. No, it could be proud. I am so proud of my son because he's on the spectrum. And because of my mm. willingness to do whatever the heck it took to make sure that child thrives, he is now right. blah, 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 blah. Or right. my child is an Olympic athlete because I got up at 4.30 in the morning to take him to that damn ice skating rink right. for 15 years. Meaning, right. thank you, because we don't do boasting rights. What ha- we don't, we also, if I say, oh my God, Don, you look amazing. 
you, I don't know about you, you would say thank you, I hope. And that's because that's great. I would. I would say, I oh know. my gosh, thanks because, for noticing. <laughs> right. Right. But see, to me, oh my God, I'm boasting. No, just own it, girlfriend. Like I would be lying if I said to you, I don't know that I'm beautiful and sexy and hot at 66 years old. I do know that. You are damn hot, honey. Right. And, but see, but you see, I know it, which is why I am. Yeah. It's not conceited. It's not, it's not arrogant. It's, it's, it's not ownership. So one of the things I do with you younger women in your twenties and thirties, you know, I'll give you a quick story. Um, you've got to, you've got to own what is. Okay. I remember I was at a, um, I was at a restaurant by myself, in Northern California. And the waitress was so drop dead gorgeous, kind of like a, you know, Dakota Johnson. I mean, she was just a gorgeous, like, who is she? She uh-huh. was just a shy college kid. Uh-huh. Okay. But she was my waitress and she was like, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And I just said to her, because remember, I do this work, men, sex and money. And I said to her, um, do you have privately? Nobody heard me. Can I ask you a question? I asked her permission. Yeah. Do you have any idea how drop dead gorgeous you are? And she said, and she looked at me like trick question. What do I do? And I immediately, I said, I said, let me, I gave her a disclaimer. I said, you need to know I mentor a lot of young women. Okay. I said, I said, but let me guess. I said, you are so beautiful. My guess is when you walk in a room at a party or at school or whatever, all of the girls look at you are jealous of you and all of the boy and and they hold their guys closer and all of the guys are intimidated by you because you're shy, right? She's starting now. Her eyes are welling up. Aww. And I said, you can't afford to be shy. Yeah. You have to be friendly to those women because yeah. you have the kind of looks, unless right. you go decide to get fat and ugly, which you can't do. <laughs> she was an athlete. I said, <laughs> you need to do that. And she just looked at me. And my guess is that made a difference in her life wow. because, because she had those kind of looks. You have to own it. Yeah. You have to own it. Okay. Because because she got lucky with those looks or not lucky. It's not easy to be at either end of a spectrum, very not attractive or very attractive, but either way, you've got to own it. Mm. You know, the person who might not be very attractive, maybe needs to make sure they take even better care of their looks. I've just, I've dressed so many people in my image consulting career and I have dressed some people. I was like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to make that woman who has literally 90 extra pounds on her mm. look good? You know, Whoa. And I made her look the best she could possibly look, you know, and to get this thing on in, on LinkedIn as a, you know, a thing from her saying, I can't believe the experience I had. I'm like, yeah, that's success to me. Yeah. To make somebody else love themselves more than they did before they worked with me. That's success to me. Well, and, and that's the thing, Karen, too. I think so many people, people, they don't, <clears throat> they don't see their gifts and talents. They don't. They don't acknowledge what is good in them, you know, whether, whether or not they were told by other people, you're not enough this or you're too much that. Right. Exactly. So you get all these mixed messages. And so yeah. then you feel like, oh, well, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm broken. Right. Maybe I'm this. Maybe I'm that. As right. opposed to saying, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What brings me, what brings me joy? What brings me pleasure? What are the things that I can, that I do that, um, that fill me up like that fountain, right? That fill me up. And when I'm filling myself up, it means I'm acknowledging that I'm, I'm valuable. I'm worthy, not because of 
this external thing, but because of how I'm showing up wherever I go, that I make people feel um, something, <laughs> that I make people feel like special seen. in my presence, seen, seen and seen. heard. Acknowledged, valued, validated, exactly. But if we don't, you have to do that for yourself. Mirror, mirror on the wall. It's interesting. This client, the guy that I'm working with, um, he called yesterday, checked in with me about um, the two different women he's talking to online, and I'm I've trained him finally. Please let's talk after you have these conversations, so we can look so that you don't get to the altar next time. Yeah. And one of the women had just become widowed after 35 year marriage or 30 year marriage. Wow. And I said, do you know how her husband passed? No. To find out, because I think cancer, why don't you find out? He said to me, Oh, she's had, he had a heart attack. Boom. Gone. I said, when was that? Nine months ago. Things. That's really close. recent, Soon. given how much grief I've gone through in my life and I've done grief counseling before through hospice yep. training and everything like yep. that. Yep. And what I know is she ain't ready yet. She ain't and ready. You might dive in because it's easier than doing the work of feeling. It's easier. It's easier and, to distract yourself with somebody and, else. And I'm trying to get him to see. So, so he's like, you're right. And then he said, let me tell you about this other relationship. And then this other conversation I had, he said, I talked to this woman for two hours. I couldn't believe it. It was so deep. And we talked about this. We talked about that. And I went, yeah. So why are you surprised? Well, I've never done that before. Exactly. That's why you're talking to me again. You do that with me all the time. <laughs> what you haven't done is you haven't chosen a woman who's done the kind of work you've done with me for two years. Yeah. And the kind of work that you're doing by going to some seminars and opening up to different things yeah. and going, wow, and allowing yourself to learn and be coachable. Yeah. You see what I mean? So don't, we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. We all need a village, for goodness sake. Yes, just, we do. Yeah. And to swing back for just one second to this whole thing we we're talking about, about, you know, claiming and owning who we yeah. are. Yeah. Start with if somebody gives you a con, a, particularly ladies, if somebody gives you a compliment, Say thank you. Don't say the end. Nice blouse. It was only ten dollars. I got it free. It's an old thing. Yeah. Don't go there. Say thank you. Thank you. You don't have to say thank you. I know. You can because <laughs> I hope you do know you're only wearing things you do like. But it's like just thank you. Thank oh, you. Because you know what? When you receive, mm. whether it's a simple compliment or a birthday gift. And you give gratitude for that. That's a gift back to the person. You're putting a quarter in the gratitude meter. You're letting the universe, God, all that is spiritual, whatever, whatever you call a higher power, if you will, you're letting them know that you're open to receive. And that's mm. the fountain. Yes. You can't, you can't give if you're not open to receive. Yeah. I know how good it feels to get a thank you note. And I know how good it feels to give thank you notes. Yeah. And I know when I travel, whether it's to family or whatever, I go to Trader Joe's. I always have thank you notes living in the little thing in the side of my door. And I'm always putting them in my purse to give somebody a thank you note. That's because nice. I, and also who gets notes? It's all text. You know, I right. love thank you note with a really cute card. You know, to me, I send thank you notes because you know what? I know what it feels like to receive them. Yeah. And I know what it feels like for like for you know a relative whose children don't send them to me for anything. I'm like, I'm really sad that those children haven't been taught that. How could that relative come from the same family as me? 
It's yeah. fascinating to me because yeah. there's an underlying assumption or something that just doesn't feel good. Well, I, I think I too, stop, when you I stop giving. Well, when you're open to receive, you know, it's like, you know, how good it feels to give, allow other people to do the same thing for you. Allow other people to, to have that same sense of joy when they give to you. So that which you is as open. simple, which is as simple. I freaking love that coral color you're wearing today, Don. Oh, you know? thank you. Right. But you see what I'm saying? It's as yeah. simple as that too. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. And just like, and just so I, so I invite all of you women out there. The next time you receive a compliment of, of, wow, honey, I love this dinner to, I like your blouse to, I love that you got here early to great memo that you wrote from your boss, whatever flavor of compliment, say thank you and yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no negating it. Just say thank you and notice how it's immediate. And don't apologize for yourself. How many times have we gone? Oh, excuse me. When they bumped into us. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, you just bumped into me. Why am I apologizing? No. Which is why being with narcissists is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the, all of these things that we're talking about is really about loving and accepting ourselves. So. And it starts right here, right? And it starts like people can contribute, you Mm -hmm. know, cause some, cause some, there's some, you know, people saying, Oh, well, you have to love yourself before you. And it's like, no, we learn how to love ourselves in conjunction with others because others are a mirror for us. Exactly. But all of the work is ours to to be in charge of, to be responsible for. Absolutely. And please make the distinction. I invite you all to make the distinction between fault and responsibility. Yeah. You know? And I'm going to leave a very graphic, not fun image because you'll remember this one. And that's that if I'm driving a car at speed limit, 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour at night, and it's dusk, very hard time to see. And somebody's tiny little dog escaped or got off a leash or whatever and runs under my car. I literally have no idea just did that. And my car hits that dog and that dog dies. It's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. Because guess what? I was the one driving that mm-hmm. car. Was it intentional murder? Heck no. no. But it was dog slaughter, if you will. Meaning it still happened. So a really good person does not hit and run. It's not fun. The last thing I would want, I've never done that. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I used to drive like five miles an hour at night when I lived in the country to not hit deer. Because yeah. they were everywhere and everyone I knew had hit deer, totaled their cars, totaled the deer. I, I, I would be crying for the next 10 years if I killed a deer on a car, you know. But for me, what it would have to be like to crawl to that person's door and say, oh, my God, this happened. I mean, it would be devastating. But I couldn't live with myself if I hit and run. Right. And you know what? You're hitting and running if you don't own your stuff. Stuff. You're really hitting and running if you don't like, oh, my God, mea culpa. I told you I'd be on time. I'm so sorry I blew it. Right. Own it. And then look at, wow, I need my ex-husband after we got married done. Not that long ago, actually, because we talked. He said to me, I mean, you didn't know that every single time we had to leave somewhere, I would tell you 30 minutes before I wanted to, before we had to be (laughs) in the car that we have to go now. He said, I learned you needed 30 minutes to say yeah. goodbyes and do what you were doing. So he just figured out a solution. We'll yeah. figure out a solution. Right. Exactly. You know? 
go around the stuff that you don't like about the other person. But, you know, so, so yes, you do want to work with, but I don't necessarily agree in compromise. I agree in mutual intentions being set and yeah. creating, right. You know, don't let the surprise parties happen. Pay right. attention. <laughs> Just like you, ha- what happens if you don't pay attention to a little tiny toothache? What happens right. if you don't pay attention to the warning light in your dashboard? Danger, right. danger, danger, right? Right. Just pay attention to the warning signals in a marriage. Realize, oh, honey, you know what? Let's just get a coach before anything happens. Let's learn some stuff we didn't learn in high school. Exactly. Breath. <clears throat> Let's learn to fill our own fountains and each other's fountains. Yeah. Love it. All right. So our last question of the day. Because this podcast is called Wake Up to Real Love. How do you define real love? Starting with me, going right after what we were just saying. Real love is accepting that I am human, that I am a perfect human, albeit I've got all kinds of imperfections. Right. But that I am a perfect human doing the best I could do or I would do something different. Mm-hmm. That I'm in the place I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do, even though I might be going, no. It's still perfect. So to me, if I can love myself there and meet someone else who's come to that level of self-love, then there you have it. Yeah, that, that is a perfect um, example of my mantra of my podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself because that sets the stage for every single other relationship. So Karen, Karina, you are an amazing woman. How can people get in touch with you? You know, I've got a couple of freebies. If you're willing to go to um, successappeal.com, successappeal.com is my website um, or karensolomon.com. It goes to the same place. But if your name were Karen, you change it to Karina too these days. <laughs> oh my God. It's the weirdest thing. I never changed my name in the sixties or seventies. Uh, yeah. You know, Sequoia and flowers. And I never did that. I always thought that was weird, but now they've chosen my popular name yeah. as the one. And you know what? I'm sorry. I'm, no. Over but, it. Yeah. com, And I think you're going to post that in here. Yes. Yeah, I will. And it's, it's all O's in the last name because I'm clearly a direct descendant of King Solomon, not Solomon. I kind of wish I were a direct descendant of the Solomon bindings. But, you know, I'm not. So it's all O's in the last name. And if you go there, and you'll see, you can opt in if you're single. I got some great dating tips you can get as a freebie. And if you're coupled and want to juice up your um, relationship a little bit, you can do that. You can get to my calendar. You can get to a link to buy my little book, which is Kindle and, and hard copy. And you can get on my calendar and we can schedule a time to find out how I can answer some of your questions about your very private, confidential, what am I doing? Yeah. Have a better, more fulfilled life where your fountain is filled up. So yeah. I'd love to talk to you. I love that. I love that. <clears throat> you fill up my fountain. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> uh, and so for all you listeners, um, you can find me and on my socials at either Don Richard, S-H-A with an accent, R-D, and uh, or at the Awakening with Dawn, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, blah blah blah. My website's under construction. I'm creating a new women's membership to talk about all the things that you don't want to talk about because I mean, this is what Karen and I do. We talk about the deep, 
we talk about the deep stuff, you know, a lot of people <clears throat> afraid to admit, afraid to talk about because there's been so much shame around all of the things that we've been talking about. And mm-hmm. so really both of us are here to help uplift and empower and help you to, to show up <laughs> in your fullness, you know, with your fountain full so that you are acknowledging your gifts and you are creating the life and the love and the relationships that you desire because we all want to feel loved and valued and connected. And we want to feel a sense of intimacy that we are seen, that we are seen for who we are. So get in touch with me on any of those. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Please give five-star reviews. Share with your friends because this is the ripple effect that we're talking about. Once you do these things for yourself and you emanate this sense of joy and love and happiness and contentment and appreciation, all those things... Like you don't know how one story can change somebody's whole trajectory of their life. What she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, Karina. I love, 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 love you. And um, I'm so excited. You're more than welcome on this podcast anytime because we're going to do some, we're going to do some work together. We're going to collab, as they say. <laughs> we're going to collab. We just did. <laughs> We did. So everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got a lot of wisdom and uh, joy and, you know, good questions to ask yourself. I mean, really, this is all about exploration and understanding because we do grow and evolve. And so it's like, oh, hmm, this is interesting. What's happening with me? But, you know, coming, coming and when you show like your peacock <laughs> behind I know, do you Karina, believe that? I know that's like, <sighs> no, it's just like, Beautiful spread that beauty that strut is within your, strut, you. Strut your stuff. stuff from your heart and from your ownership versus your ego. Yes. Yes. So it's really, really beautiful. I'm so grateful that you are here with me today. So every day, listeners, wake up to more and more real love. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews and, of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.